Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. It's a new week in our series, Live Ready, Remaining Faithful in Difficult Times. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's Word has for us with resident pastor Ramon Belagamba. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 to 22. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, loving one another and being compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, given a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good uh, conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is, eight people were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, where angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. And this morning, I'm gonna preach a message entitled, Live Ready, Live righteously. And let's go before our great sovereign king in prayer. Let's pray. Let me pray. 
Father, I thank you for this time that we have to gather around your word, to hear from you. We always need to hear from you because it is only by your will and your way that you could be the people that you call us to be, to be your representatives, to be your ambassadors, to be that salt and light in the earth that so desperately needs us in this Western world and particularly in America. And let us be a people that is spurred by worship of you, that we adore you, that we exalt you, Lord Jesus, that our worship never stops and that we continually seek to lead others from death to life because we all need you. And this, this time that I preach, I pray that Holy Spirit, you have your way with me so I can communicate God's word accurately to your people. And let us be so blessed to be in your presence. We're so thankful, Lord. I pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his holy name. Let God's people say amen. You may be seated. Since we have started this, this decade, it seems as disaster has literally been commonplace in our times. We are literally seeing things we never thought we would see. This week, all of the rage has been about the lack of gas available in our area because of a cyber attack on the Colonial Gas Pipeline. So with the thought of running out of gas, running through the minds of all the people on the East Coast, straight up panic has ensued. People filling up multiple gas and Tupperware containers and plastic bags. I said plastic bags, y'all. Y'all with me? <laughs> with gasoline, seeking to hoard gas for the long run. People literally have been losing their minds over the thought of some inconvenience rather than something that could be fatal. Yo, straight up, first world problems, if you ask me. But it's just another reminder that humanity is not in control of anything in this world. Amen? We are not God or a God. Also, it's a great reminder that our generation can't handle any pain and suffering. Choosing not to deal with reality and creating false realities is a specialty of our age. Also, our idea of public righteousness, what is morally right, has shifted. More and more of what is God's will for his creation is actually being challenged. And some things are now being seen as unrighteous. That's actually God's will for the world. The operating system of our American society has changed. And how could the body of Christ stay rooted in God's foundation? Many are now seeing our faith as straight up dangerous to the society. The question is, how must we live? That is what our whole series in Live Ready has been unpacking for us. How to live with hope, how to live holy, how to live as family, how to live as strangers. The way we should be living 
is changing in our, is not changing in our society because we are still kingdom exiles in a fallen world. And we believers could be at home, not in this world, because this home is, this world is not our home, but we forget that it's supposed to be our mission field. And we also forget that the way of the kingdom doesn't flow with the way of Babylon. And this week, we are looking at how we must live righteously as the people of God, to live ready in light of Christ's second coming. Righteously must be seen as when the people of God are living in alignment with God's character and his will for creation. And today's text lets us know that for us to live ready, we must live righteously, even through suffering and obedience to God. We must live righteously, even through suffering and obedience to God. And Peter teaches us how to live righteously as kingdom exiles, as he calls us to live righteously through repentance, our witness, and Christ's victory. And living righteously through repentance is what Peter is tackling in the first few verses of our text. As Peter is reminding his audience and us today the importance of us that we should be living as family. And that's something that we tackled last week as Pastor Antoine was unpacking it for us. That us as kingdom exiles aren't meant to go about the journey of the Christian life without family. It's like literally, it's literally going against our army with a handgun. We tripping. We are straight tripping if we think that we could go about it alone. And Peter is calling God's people to live close, to live out the union in Christ we all possess as the body of Christ. He is reminding us that what Christ chose to leave as evidence of his, of his reign, that the kingdom of God is at hand, was actually a people. And until Christ returns, he has left his sheep who are called to be like-minded. That's our head. They are called to be sympathetic, compassionate, and humble. That points to the attitudes of the heart. And to be loving, loving on one another, that points to our hands. The embodiment of Christ and his good news in a world that is passing away. A world that's passing away and they don't even know it. Question, how is the church in America doing that? All this I'm talking about right now. How are we doing? How can the lost see through the darkness if we ain't providing no light? Peter is literally telling the churches of Asia Minor, you can't be off reflecting the nature of our wicked hearts. In verse 10, for the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. 
Think kingdom. I am telling us, myself included, we can't get tripped up by our flesh. I'm not saying try Jesus, don't try me. We can't roll like that. Last fall, a popular rapper who identifies as a Christian rose to mainstream success for a short song, less than, less than two minutes, Try Jesus. He begins the song with, try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. This garnered the world's applause. But those words are actually the opposite of the commands in the New Testament. You can't hear those words from the lips of Jesus, Paul or Peter. I can't front. It's appealing to our flesh when we are insulted that, yo, we just want to straight throw hands. And if our identity isn't rooted in Christ, we can so easily want to flame up with our words or throw hands. But at the end of the day, we can't live in the flesh. We got to live in the spirit. And if we're going to live rightly before the face of the Lord, we can't fall in love with the idols of worldly success and having the approval of the world. Christ don't need a worldly celebrity influencer because God's people can move in silence and God is already at work at, in the world and his mission still goes on as he's literally been doing just fine for over 2,000 years. Facts, right? We just have to live ready. And for us to live ready, we got to live righteously through repentance. And we got to do this through self-control, denying the flesh and relying upon the Holy Spirit. Self-improvement ain't going to get it. We got to hit them knees and pray to our God for self-control, for wisdom, for humility, for mercy. Are we hungering in prayer, asking God to be a blessing where we live, where we work, and where we play? That's an honest question we have to ask ourselves. Are my sin struggles keeping me from being a blessing to others and doing what is good? We need to ask ourselves. We got to get back to seeing through a kingdom lens. And this week, if you have lost your focus recently, I got some receipts for you. Matthew 5, 5 through 9. We know this well. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Amen. So think kingdom. If you haven't figured it out already in this series, to live ready is to live in the way of the kingdom. Living righteously is displaying the glory of the kingdom in the life to come. We inherit, inherit the earth 
we will be filled. We will be shown mercy. We will see God. And be called sons and daughters of God. On the basis of that eternal truth, live righteously. Y'all hear me, church? Live righteously. We got to speak words of blessing, not cursing. Lies or gossip. We got to turn away from greed. We got to turn away from lust. We got to turn away from envy. We got to turn away from laziness. We got to turn away. We got to turn our way to hungering and thirsting for righteousness and pursuing peace wherever God has placed us. We have to ask ourselves in obedience to God, are we striving after his will? Seeking to live by his story, embodying and sharing his good news. If not, let's turn our hearts back to his will and his glory so we can live righteously through repentance. So we can live and learn how to live ready, living righteously through our witness. Peter, he kept it a hundred with the churches of Asia Minor as he didn't want to minimize the suffering they were facing. And early church theology was one that was balanced. Add a theology of the cross and add a theology of the resurrection. And Peter appealed to the theology of the cross and the res- resurrection. And he did this both in verse 14 when he said, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. He had a little, and if you see in the first half of the verse, he had a, a theology of the cross going on right there. And in a second, he gave us a little theology of the resurrection. He wanted to make sure that they understood that following Christ included suffering in the here and now. And also because he rose, a future reward awaits for enduring through their suffering. His audience was literally, they were living through the fire. Through the fire. Something that living in the Western world, most of us have never really faced that. Have we ever really lived through the fire for Christ? To keep it a buck, to keep it real, many of us in the American church really have never developed the theology of the cross or a theology of suffering. We quick to scream about the victory, but what about the trials during our time to we get to that victory. Are we still praising God and joyful in the spirit the same times in the valleys and in, in, in those highs and lows as we are on the mountaintop? And have we, we never, many of us have never really faced that antagonism and hostility for that obedience to Christ. And there are many different factors for this whether it has been because we've been shaped by the world's dualism of the sacred and the secular, or our hugging to the idols of peace and comfort in public. I ain't trying to hurt nobody. 
or just the sin of the fear of man. Whatever it is, Christ is calling us to join him in his mission. We are in his grasp. Who can harm us if we are devoted to what is good? Who can hurt us? Do we dwell on that fact? We need to. The presence of the kingdom of God in a hellbound world system needs a people who with all of their heart proclaim and embody a witness that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we could go anywhere calling those words with humble confidence that we could give a defense to anyone that asks for a reason for the hope that is, that is within us. A major problem today is we can have all this right doctrine, but we can have the wrong spirit. All up in our feelings, ministering in the flesh rather than in the spirit. We can't embody what Peter is calling for us for in verse 16, gentleness and respect. If we so self-righteous rather than living righteously in the spirit through Christ, we are not moving the way Christ is moving in the world. Our conduct in the flesh can so easily cancel our witness out in the world that ain't nobody listening to us. We could be preaching all day on the IG or the TikTok or the Facebook, but ain't nobody listening. Too many people are caught up in always going for the win rather than seeking to be a witness. Can I get a witness? Say neighbor. Right, come on, let's, 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 pack, let's get that going. Say neighbor. Let your heart be for the witness and not for the win. And go to, your, go to another neighbor and say, Family, help me be about witnessing and not about winning. See, family, the reality of it is, is when we lose sight of Christ in the moment to moment of life, we, so, we can so easily drift from living righteously in our witness. We can so easily avoid suffering, pursuing God's will in our everyday decisions when we lose sight of the cross. We can easily give in to the temptations of the world so easy and seek to cover up the nakedness of our shame before God with the fig leaves of the world. That leaves us with a divided conscience, draining our strength to witness for Christ and leaving the world without the message it so desperately needs. We don't have our boldness because we're not focused on Christ. Think kingdom. I don't want that to be us. That only got to be us. We could be that faithful family of believers that remains cross-eyed, living boldly and unashamed for Christ, unapologetic, with a clear conscience, doing the work of the Lord, where we live, where we work, and where we play. That's, our, that's my desire for us. We can live ready as we live righteously 
into the words of 1 Peter 2.15. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As we run this race, may we be a people that keeps our eyes on Christ continually till we meet him face to face. Like a NASCAR driver that yearns to see that checkered flag in the Daytona 500. As they seek to dash to the finish line so that they can receive the glory in that winner's circle. I want us to hold to the promises of Christ in Matthew 5, 10 to 12, when we endure suffering, as we will, as we will, when we witness for our king, as it reads, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how the persecuted, the prophets who were before you. Family, we must always not grow weary in doing good as we will always reap a harvest in this life or the life to come if we don't give up. I want y'all to stay strong. As we go, let us never forget that darkness don't like light. We will always face opposition as we seek to partner in the advance of the kingdom of God. There is never a time through scripture when you don't see the enemies of God. When you don't see God's ops, when they straight are going to silence the message of the gospel. And the reality of it is, I want y'all to live like this. Don't fear the smoke. Jesus is Lord. Don't fear the smoke. Jesus is Lord. Our God is undefeated. Ask Moses. Ask Joshua. Ask David. We ain't got to walk around like shook ones. But we can live righteously through our witness and humble, steadfast confidence. That we can live righteously. All of this because we can do it through Christ's victory. And we can do this in the midst of our trials in the body because Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. So that in his victory, we can be brought back into the family of God. Yes and amen. Let's make this abundantly clear that we have no basis for righteousness in this life apart from Christ's sacrifice on our behalf and his righteousness. Y'all can clap that up. Jesus is worthy. And it's because of our union with Christ, our new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we can even seek to live righteously. Because there ain't righteous, no righteousness in us apart from the Spirit. It is the victory of Christ that Noah was unknowingly looking ahead to when he lived by faith in a world ruled by rebellion to God, a.k.a. unrighteousness. Hmm. I don't know 
what world we, y'all live in, but I think a lot of what we're seeing right now in our society, we can relate so much to Noah. That Pete, and Peter was talking to the readers who were very familiar also with the book of the law and knew about the story of Noah. So we're not going to get up in the weeds discussing all of the various interpretations of this passage. For, the, for my theology nerds, if you want to do that, you can hit me up and we can grab some coffee. Because in these verses that I'm about to talk about in 19 to 20, it's Christ's proclamation of victory over fallen angels, not a message of salvation to dead human beings that is in view here, what Peter is talking about. There's no second chance in purgatory or no hints of universalism going on right here in these verses, in verses 19 to 20. Peter's intention was encouraging his audience with the example of the living hope of the resurrection, taking it back to what we, we uncovered in the, in the first message Pastor Antoine unpacked about uh, living with hope. And he's continually done this through the letter, if y'all have been paying attention. And Noah, like Peter's readers, was part of a minority of righteous people who witnessed boldly for God, knowing that judgment was sure to come. And we see a constant theme in Scripture as we read our Bibles. God always got a remnant. So when it looked like God, ain't, God is quiet, nothing going on, God always has a remnant. And Peter was so clear in saying, yo, there was only eight folks that was with Noah. So they were able, so Peter, was, Peter was, was doing so much. He was trying to point us and point his audience to the fact that we can rest in God's word. And we can even rest more in the words of Christ because Christ spoke about Noah. He spoke about Noah a little bit in uh, Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of son of the, the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know, about the, they didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way of the coming of the Son of Man will be. This gave them hope in Peter's day. And it should give us even a greater hope today. Peter intentionally mentioned those numbers saved because God's people are always seemingly small in number. And he pointed them to this because of the fact of the ultimate salvation is something that Jesus has already secured. That victory is assured. And only when we live ready with the remembrance of this ultimate victory that we have in Christ can we live as the kingdom exiles who endure suffering and live life devoted to God. It gives us the heart to press on. In the face of all the injustice that we see in a fallen world, we know that it all will be righted on that last day, that final judgment day, that vindication, that victory will come. In most days, these last few weeks of the school year, I'm literally helping my students prepare for these end of the year exams. And me and my, my students, we love playing something called Bluck It. 
bookit.com if you never heard about. And we love playing the gold rush version of the game. As we like to take gold from one another, we like to win gold, sometimes we lose gold, and then the main thing, we love to swap places on the leaderboard. It's such a fun and competitive game. The kids are so engaged and the goal is to be victorious at the end of the time limit with the most gold. It's to see your name at, in first place. And often, those who are winning in the final seconds think they have won. And sometimes they even scream in victory. All to be disappointed as some have swapped places with them in the final seconds. <sighs> victory so close, but denied. As victory was stolen like a thief in the night. In a similar way, we live in the days of Noah and God's people enduring much suffering worldwide for following Christ. Persecuted, maimed, discriminated, mocked, killed, some of the many forms of suffering the church is enduring right now. Still seeking to live righteously because the swap of the righteous for the unrighteous happened close to 2,000 years ago. Living in obedience to God, to do the will of God in the world in gratitude because we all know on that last day we'll be in that crowd of victory. This is the victory that the world doesn't know about. And Jesus has told us it's going to hit them like a thief in the night on that last day. We know this family. Let this keep our hearts burning to live ready. Faithfulness for us in the coming days, months, and years will be tested. The reality of it is, is that persecution is rising. As we seek to stay faithful and obedient to the will of God, we're going to face that smoke because we are not going to participate in the sins of the society. The question will be, will we seek compromise and false peace or stand for truth and potentially suffer? That's what we got to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves. And the thing about it with faithfulness through obedience to God is how we are called to live righteously. It is not through cultural power that we are called to embody the cross of Christ. We have to be a gospel-shaped people okay with being the prophetic minority. We can't be a, a, gospel, we can't be a people shaped by the sins of politicism, the sins of individualism and self-preservation. We can't be lusting and longing after maintaining cultural power in America. America is not the kingdom of God. We live in a post-everything society. Post-Christian, post-family, post-technology, post-supersize. Our culture is literally yearning 
for deep, meaningful conversations about spiritual things. They're yearning for people looking for a place to belong. They are yearning to have genuine human, human interactions. In intimate communities, this is something that <laughs> the church should be the place of refuge where they're coming to. And we have to let them know that. Our culture is yearning for God and his people. But if we're not living ready, shaped by the gospel, those who are seeking for God will never find the light of salvation. We know Jesus is Lord. We know that in Christ there's eternal security. Nothing in this life can ever offer. And as our king sits in the, at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers subject to them, we got to let the world know that. Beloved, let us continue to be a powerful witness to the kingdom of God in Kannapolis, in Charlotte, in Concord. Let's keep loving our community through block by block, rocking the bells where we live, where we work, and where we play. And let us continue living life, seeing through a kingdom lens. Let us be that family of salt and light that reveals the truth that history is not bending towards social progress and away from religion, but that history begins with Jesus and history ends with Jesus. That we are a people of a living hope. Kingdom exiles growing as intentional disciple makers that Christ has called us to be. And that we do this as we live righteously through repentance, our witness in Christ's victory, being willing to endure suffering as we seek to be faithful in our obedience to the triune God. That's the call of Christ's disciples in every age. Don't avoid the smoke. Run to it. Be bold. Be humble. Engage the culture with faith and works. Word and deed ministry. All done in the spirit of gentleness and humility. Beloved, folks are searching for answers to life's questions. Even more since this pandemic has occurred. Even more. I'm calling y'all. Be a great listener. Ask great questions. In most of Jesus' conversations, what was he doing? Asking folks questions. He only directly gave a straight answer twice in the Gospels. I want you to share how the Gospel applies to all of life. That how it applies to whatever people are going through. Give the people Jesus. Let them know that he is Lord. And that matters for every life. That he is in control. And that he always has been. And that he will be. And let people know, you don't have to go 
um, through this journey called life alone. His loving arms have been waiting for you. And in him is all security. In him is unconditional love. You don't have to be defined by your past. There's new life available today in Jesus. And that was Pastor Ramon in week six of our Live Ready series. We must live righteously even through suffering in obedience to God. If you or someone you know is blessed by anything you hear on this podcast, you feel led to give. Feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to our new friends, now family of Think Kingdom. And of course, if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, and so much more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast. Thank you.